and welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. Kids Ministry Circle is a community for kids ministry leaders to be encouraged and equipped to love and serve the local church. Listen to the end of this podcast to learn more about how you can be a part of Kids Ministry Circle, how you can find all of our resources, and how you can sign up to be a part of one of our cohorts. Hello, and welcome to the Kids Ministry Circle podcast. My name is Lauren Jackson, and I am joined by the fabulous, have I used that word already? I don't know. I like it. I mean, keep. It's, I feel great about it. <laughs> okay, the fabulous <laughs> Becca Harris. And today, we are talking all about discipleship. Now, that's a big word, and if you missed our episode on parents and parting with parents, I would encourage you to jump back and listen to that episode because we talk a lot about what it looks like to partner with parents because they are the primary spiritual Mm -hmm. voice in the lives of their kids. And they really are that main discipler. But we got a few questions on how can volunteers disciple their kids on a Sunday morning and how can we kind of help our volunteers navigate that discipleship relationship because I think when people think of discipleship it's really easy to jump to student ministry and how student leaders can really have that in-depth personal relationship with the student ministry kids because there's a little bit more freedom there and those students are looking for another voice and sometimes not choosing their parents, where our little kids in elementary school, nine times out of 10, choose their parents as that voice that they run to and as they listen to, which is perfect. That's what we want to happen. Now, it's very true that you will get kids come into your ministry that don't have a parent relationship. Maybe they are transitioning into a foster care relationship, or maybe they just don't have a good relationship with their parent. And so there's a piece missing there. And that's where the church gets to step in and be that secondary voice and be that voice that can continue and consistently preach the gospel and remind them of the truth. So that's what we think about when we talk about discipleship. Now, question number one, how can my volunteers disciple kids in kids ministry? Yeah. I mean, I think that that distinction that you kind of just made, Lauren, of that they we are not the primary disciplers. We're not set up to be, right? Uh, I can't remember the exact statistic, but it's like, what is it, 168 hours in a week? Something, something like that. And we get crazy. one of those, right? So it there will never be a scenario we are doing it all, and it's not set up that way. It's God did not design it that way. So let's take that pressure aside. But let's think about what are some practical ways, particularly with our elementary school kids, that, that we can kind of begin this. And so... um. I think, you know, a couple ways that kind of come to my mind when I think of this is, um, one, you know, modeling is such a big piece of that. So when, if we're going to talk to kids about reading the Bible, 
or what to, you know, how to pray, these kinds of things, they should see us do it. They should hear us talk about how we do it. Um, and so that they, we're giving them a tangible example um, of what that looks like. And so sometimes that means like when we say we're going to pray in class, we, uh, we, we teach everybody about why we close our eyes or those kinds of things and speaking that, that, that truth. I think, um, so modeling also in, in worship, right? When we're in kids worship, if we're standing back against the wall with our arms crossed and letting them dance and do their thing, what are we actually modeling about what we think about worshiping Jesus? Um, there's so much that we are teaching them that we don't in our modeling that we may or may not realize. And so I think when I think of discipling the kids, I think what model and example am I, am I giving them when I am there on Sunday or talking about with them. Um, and so I think that is, is an important element of, of how to disciple the kids. And then I think, I mean, we have to be praying for them. Um, you know, I, you read in all of Paul's letters, he's like, talking about how he's always praying for every single church. And I don't think Paul was a liar and, uh, or a super exaggerator because he doesn't seem like that kind of guy. And so I'm like, he was away from these people too, but part of the discipleship of raising up people, men and women in these churches, was giving thanks for them and praying for them. And so I think knowing your kids enough that you actually can can pray for them, know what's going on in their life, ask them for prayer requests, um, those kinds of things. So you're modeling what that looks like, but you're also, they're now on your brain. And so I think you should be praying for them um, outside of even the the classroom. And so those are just a couple practical, simple things that you're probably already doing that you didn't really give much thought to. But now if you give thought to, you're, it is actually some of how you could be discipling um, the kids. Yeah, I love that. Something that I tend to say to volunteers is, there's a good chance that a kid will come to know who Jesus is by watching adults who know Jesus. And I think that modeling piece is really important because I feel like as an elementary student, they don't know what it looks like to follow Jesus. Mm-hmm. And they need to be reminded of what the Bible tells us about what it looks like to follow Jesus. So not only sharing stories of the disciples that we see in the New Testament, but also us as adults trying our best to follow Jesus. And so I think that modeling piece, I just love that. I love that. And I think all volunteers can do that. I think that's an easy thing to do with volunteers. Uh, Some things that I think about when it comes to discipleship, I love to think about the small moments. And so it's remembering names. It's remembering birthdays. It's uh, sending a postcard. Mm-hmm. It's those little things that just start to build the relationship between a child and a volunteer, but also a child and church mm-hmm. and church in general. Uh, we know that kids have a lot of adult relationships in their life from teachers to coaches to kids ministry leaders. And I want kids to know that the church is a place for them. And it's a church that's uh, a, it's a, the church is a place where they can look to whenever that day comes. That may not be in third, fourth, or fifth grade. Maybe it's not until they get to high school. But I would love to see our children know that they have leaders in the church that they can go to 
and that love Jesus and love them. So I think about the small things. I also think in terms of volunteers discipling kids, it's sharing stories. One thing I love to encourage volunteers, and this is what I would, that this is something that I do when I teach in our elementary large group is I try and make it personal. So I invite them a little bit into my story and what God is doing in my life and helping them make the connection. Because sometimes elementary kids can make that connection of what's happening in the Bible and what's happening in my life. But sometimes it's a little bit more gray and it's Mm -hmm. a little bit harder for them to make that connection. And so I always like to make it personal, share something that God is teaching me, share where I found that God taught me a specific lesson, obviously make it age appropriate. And, um, but I think those help bridge the gap a little bit and allow kids to get to know the adult in the room. And, um, I think it lowers some barriers and if you open up, can kids tend to open up back to you? So those are some other ways that I've seen um, volunteers, disciple kids. Yeah. I think the last piece that I would add that's, that's simple, but might be different than how we often teach is to ask questions rather than to lecture. Um, now kids, elementary school kids are still like concrete thinkers. They're not abstract and able to make all those connections and stuff yet. So you might only get concrete answers, but try to do more than just comprehension. Try to begin drawing things out of them that, that maybe feel a little more abstract, but could at least be an application of, um, of what they've read that day, you know? So We've done things um, using, as you know, I think the method's called Discovery Bible Study, um, where we're asking elementary school questions like, what does this passage say about God? What does it say about man? What is, you know, what's something that we need to do differently based on what we've read? And then who do we need to tell about it? And I think depending on the age of your kids or even the structure of your classroom, any of those questions can be really helpful. Instead of them just hearing you lecture about things, they actually begin to learn how to process, oh, this this Bible actually applies to me. Um, it's more than just me memorizing what's happening. Um, you know, I it's, it applies to my life. And, you know, again, depending on where they are in their brain development, that may or may not happen. But what can for sure happen and what I love is that who can you tell about it? Because elementary school kids aren't yet worried about, they don't carry all the skepticism and the shame or the fear of rejection that we carry as adults. And so we can, you actually are then kind of discipling them a little bit in evangelism of who can you tell about this? Who can you tell what you learned today? Um, and they begin to start thinking this good news is not just for me. It's for someone else too. Um, it's, it's, it's not just meant, it wasn't meant to stop with me. It's, it was meant to be passed on. And so those, that's a simple way rather than preaching at them about how they need to tell their friends about Jesus. I mean, that works too, but this is like a simple, like, all right, next week we're going to talk about who we told this story to. Um, and then it's convicting because you as an adult have to then go tell your story to someone too. Um, but yeah, I think that's a, just a really practical way of, of kind of starting to instill some of those, those disciplines and church practices in them that are on simple levels. So, yeah, that's great. So the next question is a little bit trickier. It's it's talking about volunteers and discipleship, but how do you have difficult cultural conversations with kids on Sunday morning? Now, we're not saying 
you need to begin the conversation. Right. I would recommend you not do that. You do not need to get up on stage in front of elementary kids and say, hey, this is what's happening in Ukraine. You just don't need to. I think um, that's where we want the parents to be that primary spiritual voice. And they get to choose if they want to engage their kids in that conversation or maybe they don't. And so we want to honor that. But it happens often where kids come into your classroom and they know certain things and they have heard certain things or watched the news or have overheard adult conversations and they bring it up in conversation. And I think it's important that we can prepare our volunteers to engage that in a way that honors the child who's asking, who may or may not fully understand what they're saying honor the other kids in the small group and also honor the parent in that whole process. And because I think, again, going back to the very beginning of this conversation, we want to champion our parents always. We want to point our kids back to their parents as the primary spiritual voice and honor them in conversations. And we never want to make small group time a time where, well, my parents said this and my parents said this and my parents said this. Uh, We want to continue to not only keep the gospel and whatever story you're learning as that the center, but also acknowledging that all of our kids come from different backgrounds and different exposure to different things. And so uh, this was actually a really good question. And I think we talked about this for a long time before we recorded because I feel like everyone is still having this conversation and asking this question of how do we engage our elementary kids in hard cultural conversations while also keeping the parent in the loop. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, to me, I think this is where that partnership piece comes back into play Um, because most often if an elementary school kid is bringing something like that up um, in a small group setting or whatever, it's because they're processing some information they've heard. Um, and so, and you know, it's the same, it's, I mean, it's a different level of information, but it's the same when they, when kids first find out there's no Santa and they, some that you have that one kid who wants to like go tell everybody. And then the other person who's like, did you know there's no Santa? Like mind blown. I need to process this with a peer. Um, and so you want to create an environment because that's like what we want them to begin to do when they're in middle school, high school and adults. That's what we want to create that. But like Lauren was saying, we want to do it nuanced because um, we want to respect and honor the parents. And also the parents know these kids better than we do. And so they know who's more sensitive to information, who has different things in their past that they're not ready to deal with your process yet. So I think what we're really looking at here is like instead of how to have these, it's a little bit more probably like how to maybe redirect them in a healthy way um, that doesn't make the child who brought it up feel dismissed, but also doesn't dominate the discussion time. Um, And so I think, you know, if you had, um, you know, I think a a kid who brought up a a hot topic um, that was, that was coming up um, or that happened, I think uh, what, what I most often try to do is as the kids talking, I do, if it ends up being long and long winded, you know, try to maybe redirect by saying their name. That's a polite way to interrupt, but then pointing them back to what we for sure know is true. So instead of getting into the like, 
you know, for during the pandemic, are we going to wear a mask or are we not going to wear a mask? Or are we getting vaccinated or are we not getting vaccinated? Because even our kids were asking those questions because they're hearing adults talk about it, right? Here's what I would, I would point them to something like, hey, everybody has a few different opinions on here. We're all figuring this out. But here's one thing we all can do. We can look to the one who knows it all already, who knows everything already. God knows everything already. And so what you actually did was you gave that kid not an answer to whether they wear a mask or not, or even maybe how to navigate that. But like when they feel torn, they know the one person to look to is God. You told them there is someone who is in control, who knows all things that's happening, and we can trust him with the outcome of whatever happens. Um, and so that's how you could kind of redirect it in the group conversation. And then maybe if you feel like it's necessary afterwards to like, you want to ask the kids some more question and draw some more out. Um, and, and you could, if that opportunity is there, you can, but also I would for sure, you know, tell the parents like, Hey, today, just so you know, your son or daughter was really asking this question of how to, how to do this or what does this mean? Um, not, not like in a, I can't believe your kid brought this up in our class, but just like, oh, so you can continue the conversation at home, you know? Totally. And if it was brought up in a way that did maybe incite some fear or panic or lively discussion, then maybe all the parents need to know that was brought up in class, um, you know, that would be be helpful in a way so they could all then navigate. So, like, this didn't happen in a small group at church, but it happened uh, in in my small group in someone's home, uh, one of our elementary school boys came in and we were, as the adults, you know, reading our Bible, talking and, you know, by God's providence, we heard a quiet uh, moment. And he said, did you guys know that in that now men can marry men and women can marry women? I learned that from a friend at school today. And we heard him say that. And we were all like, oh, gosh, how is everybody going to have this conversation? And um, some of the kids were like. That is, you know, some of the older kids were like troubled and, and had more questions. The younger ones were like, well, if that works, who wears the wedding ring and who gets the last name? And that was the end of their question. So as the parents and I kind of quickly, you know, like di- redirected the conversation. But then we were like, there does need to be follow up questions because his question is, is he's just learning something and wanting to process it with his friends and share information was the parents know the kids well enough to have those follow up conversations the best. They know what fears might come up or if the kid's a real thinker and may say nothing at first, but three days later may say, what does that mean for so-and-so? The parent is going to be the one who's best set up in there. And so that's why we want to leave that conversation as to what's happening at home. Um, Not because we're trying to shirk responsibilities, but because that's where it is. Um, But I think the parent knows too how to, what each kid's kind of thought process is in in the follow-up um, and who mm-hmm. needs more questions, who needs to go into the super in-depth God's design for marriage and who just needs a quick answer about how, Hey, God made a, you know, we believe in the Bible and the Bible says that God made marriage between a man and a woman. And that's all they needed to hear. Um, but other people might need to hear more. We're going to leave that in the parents role though, instead of diving into that in with elementary school kids. So yeah, for sure. I, some things that, may be certain to you the parents may be still processing through Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so I think it's really important to remember that your families are probably have different differing beliefs on certain topics and um, I loved what Becca said about your job is to remind kids of what is true yep and 
say, like one example I think of is if there's something that happens in your town. And being in Colorado, we experienced when I was in a ministry role at a church, we experienced a school shooting in Colorado. And that was something that was highly talked about amongst our elementary age kids. And one thing we consistently came back to was, what do we know is true? Who is God? Who does he say he is? Who is he? How do we learn about him from the Bible? What are his characteristics? We can trust him no matter what. He knows everything. He knows what is going to happen. And just reminding the kids of what is true so that when something bad or hard or Mm -hmm. difficult happens in the future, we have hopefully laid a foundation for them to return to over and over again. And so I think that in any difficult conversation of what is happening in our culture, I think that's the key thing as volunteers or discipling kids of you don't need to push a certain opinion. You just get to remind them of what is true. Um, And so I think that is key to discipleship in general of as we continue to raise disciples, it is laying before them what is true and um, allowing them to not only continue the conversation at home, but um, carry that truth with them as they grow. Yep. I think a couple, you know, the bulk of the discipleship is on parents, but I think if I could recommend a couple resources to volunteers. Yes, share your favorites. That would, would help you or even provide um, just some discussion topics with your kids is, is one, the radical book for kids. It's like a teal, bright colored book. Um, it's got everything in there from like, uh, you know, some spiritual discipline things, church history things, um, how to navigate. Like, I think there literally is one in there, like what to do when I'm mad at my parents um, or, you know, how to, how and why I need to clean my room. But then um, some other things in there. So it's just kind of got, you know, our elementary school kids think like scientists. They're looking for facts and, and things like that. And so it's got a lot of really kind of that heady fact stuff that they really like as concrete thinkers. And then the other one is called Big Truths for Young Hearts. And it's by Bruce Ware. And it is a theology book that um, he, Bruce, I guess for years taught his daughter, he was a theology, he is a theology professor and just would teach to his daughters and over time and repetition got, broke it down in such a way that um, he could teach some big theological concepts like, you know, um, what, where, you know, what happens when, when bad things, where's God when bad things happen, those kinds of things. Um, and breaks it down in just really practical, easy ways. I, uh, buy that book for my team. We use it as a resource a lot, um, just to how to talk about big theological concepts in a way that kids understand. And so I think, uh, when you're navigating things in, in culture and in life, um, those are the, those are the helpful resources for that stuff. And then, you know, I can't, I can't get on here and and not say this, but just being reminded, you know, I, I said it when we, um, in an earlier episode, but just being reminded these kids were born on purpose during this time. God um, knew they were going to be born before the foundations of the the world. Um, He knew that all the crazy stuff that is going on in our country would be going on. Um, And, and so we just want to continue to be faithful to disciple our kids and point them to what's true. Because if we keep pressing the gospel 
um, and the good news of what it means for our entire life um, on their hearts, then they will learn how to navigate these tough cultural situations. Um, and so as a church, that's what we get to do. As parents get to do the nuanced specifics, we get to do, here's how we come back to what we know is true. So, Yep, yep. for sure. I will add to the resource list, there are a couple devotionals that I think are really great for kids. Um, a couple that come to mind are Indescribable by Louis Giglio. Giglio. Yeah. That's a really good devotional for kids. The 365 Bible, the three six, maybe you probably don't say it 365, but the 365 <laughs> Bible has some really great devotionals inside there. Another newer devotional is 100 Days to Brave for Kids by Annie F. Downs. That one's really great. Um, Becca, why don't you share your favorite kids devotional? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's my favorite resource for kids to learn to read the Bible on their own, right? Because that's one of my big things is I want, as kids transition into middle school and high school, we they have to know God's word, but they, they can't always be spoon fed it. So we need to teach them to read it on their own. And so, um, there is a resource that, that our Austin stone Institute created called kids reap reap stands for read, examine, apply, and pray. It's a Bible study method that we use as a church. Um, but we created a really cool book, um, for kids to be able to reap on their own, to begin to read God's word um, on their own. And so that's a really cool resource that you honestly can do at your church or buy for your kids and they can do at home. And we've seen a lot of kids, it's really geared for like third, fourth, fifth grade. Um, my hope is that as they do it, you know, and they go into middle school, they then know how to kind of begin to approach reading the Bible on their own without someone telling them. Um, and so, but it's, it's just got really cool facts in there. It's got all kinds of things for them to, to draw. It's very colorful. And so it really draws them in and we've seen, uh, we've actually seen fruit from it. We've seen kids that, that they finish kids reap and they, they want another volume, which we only have one. Um, but they now know how to read the Bible on their own and some of them do it with their parents. And so one or two times a week, they get up and do that with mom and dad together. And so that's just a kind of a cool different way to do a family Devo time. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, we will list all of these resources in the show notes. So if you are driving and you're like, I can't take notes, uh, we will list them and you can find them after uh, you listen and when you're in a place where you can jump on and order some resources for your kids or share them with your parents. So that is all we've got for discipleship today. Uh, we hope this is helpful and um, just encourages you that discipleship can be the big things, but also discipleship is very much so in the small things. And so whatever you are doing um, matters to kids and makes a lasting impact. And so if you have more questions about discipleship or anything else kids ministry related, you can head over to kidsministrycircle.com slash podcast and uh, submit your question and hopefully we'll answer, answer it on another podcast or maybe over on social media this week. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. If you would like to submit a question for our podcast, you can head over to kidsministrycircle.com slash podcast and submit a question that we can answer in a later episode. 
Don't forget, if you would like to stay up to date on all the happenings of Kids Ministry Circle, you can follow us at Kids Ministry Circle on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so our latest episodes get dropped in your podcast player automatically. And our last thing, if you would like to get our monthly resource roundup email, you can sign up to be on our email list over at kidsministrycircle.com. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.